Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to do something nice today, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Chaos Engine. How badly our vendors are screwing up directly relates to our departmental performance? Okay, sure. Starting five years ago, supply chain team claims to be tracking performance metrics to target areas for improvement. Translation, everyone's going to be asked to push out a bunch of new reports in addition to our regular duties to go to management, which they're going to do nothing with. One of the metrics my team's management chose to track for performance was the number of weekly back orders our vendors are hitting us with for the supplies that inevitably go into caring for patients. Now, to be clear, the performance being tracked is not the vendors. That would be silly. Instead, it's supposed to track whether or not the guy following up on back orders is doing his job chasing them and can be used to terminate him if he's not resolving back orders fast enough. That's me, by the way. The original metric was to publish the stock status report I work off of to provide the entire department a snapshot of what's coming in, when, and how close to stocking out we are. So far, so good. However, for reference, at any one time, the average number of open items en route to us is between 400 to 600 products, of which 20% are usually backordered for some reason or another, so between 100 and 120 line items per week. However, completely out of thin air, management decided that it was apparently fair for the target to be set to an average of 10 back orders per week. Most likely, most of you have figured out the problem with this target. You can't track our performance based on the actions of our vendors. I literally cannot force suppliers to maintain supply on their items, and since we have a policy of not canceling back orders when they occur, because our ERP system doesn't have subs set up properly for 99% of the items in it, it would be impossible to prevent that number from routinely being over 10 on a weekly basis. It could maybe be done if we did cancel back orders and replace them with substitute products not on back order, but that's not allowed. I pointed this out in the meeting with them, so they agreed that the report would be parred down to looking at items that were only going to stock out in the next three days, according to forecasting. They then asked if it would be possible to report less than 10 back orders when only looking at that three-day window. I said, sure, I can report 10 back orders or less each week based on that scope, but that wouldn't mean I'm not doing my job if it goes over. It just meant that our vendors were having a rougher time. And this is especially prevalent for periods like, oh, the pandemic, where supply on anything is hard to come by and back orders are everywhere. None of which is the buyer's fault, so long as they're resolving those problems in a timely manner. I then suggested a different solution. Why not instead track the average number of items ending up in a defined number of days on hand, a low stock range, on a weekly basis, and use that as the metric for improvement, not number of back orders. This way, they could ensure I'm chasing the back orders and resolving them in a timely manner, but also in the cases where we're carrying so little stock on hand, that it would be impossible to keep them out of low stock status, that would be an indicator that we needed to be ordering and holding more on the shelf. That way, the goal would be to reduce the report to zero items, as stock levels were adjusted to account for delays. Then, if anything slipped onto the report, 
and meant the guy chasing back orders was at fault if they didn't get resolved before stocking out, because he had plenty of time to respond to the back orders. Did I mention management sets the shelf quantities and they do it exclusively based on what they have in the budget? Not how long it takes items to arrive or our usage rate? The blank stare I got from my boss when I pointed this out went to show that she had no idea what I was talking about and I was just told to leave reporting to status quo and they track number of back orders across a three day period. The compliance, so I did and pumped out a report twice a week detailing what items were running out in the next three days. And for the first six months of this nonsense, we never went above the back order target once. Because while we may have 30 items down to three days stock on hand, half of those will be because we literally carry less than three days on hand at any one time, and haven't even generated an order yet, and they'll stock out before the vendor delivers them. Another 10 will simply be caused by the turnaround time for a vendor to process an order we placed, like yesterday, or shipping errors where something got screwed up which causes things to stock out. And the last 5 are back orders that need resolved, or have already been resolved, and we're just waiting for the solution to arrive to our doorstep. Fallout. My management thought this was going so well after 6 months, they decided to expand the scope of the report I produced to 5 days in the future. So everything on shelf stocking out in the next 5 days, without shifting the target to accommodate the new increased scope. They also didn't take into account the fact that the pandemic has massively impacted supply chains, meaning the report now starts at closer to 50 items at a time versus the 30 it was before, with 3 times as many back orders. So now it takes roughly 2 hours per issue to siphon through and confirm exactly what's going on with each item and ensure 100% they all arrive before stocking out. So to recap, my management are paying roughly 100 bucks a week in wages to receive a personalized report they could print raw from the system in 30 seconds that tells them nothing they don't already know and upon which they can't enact any performance improvements because they're tracking the one item on the report that is by and large outside our control, while ignoring the ones that would be a quick in-system fix if they take 10 seconds to look at them. I pity our patients. Do you guys think, in situations like this, that it's worth trying to fight the management on this? Or do you think it's the kind of thing you just have to go along with and hope that in due time they open their eyes to it? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is by the Angry Unicorn 666 You want me to open a case? Okay. Obligatory, this happened about an hour ago. I work in the travel industry, making deals with hotels. One of our internal systems is Salesforce, which sucks by the way, Freak you, Salesforce, where each hotel is created as an account to be managed. I work with centralized hotel chains, so about 100 plus hotels per chain. Yesterday, we had an issue affecting about 31 hotels of a particular chain, so I compile all the necessary data and put it into an email and send it straight to our team in the head office responsible for looking into those things. I did an email because, of course, there's no option to create a case for a hotel chain with multiple hotels affected. It's either individual accounts or nothing. This is in the middle of negotiating a big deal with this chain and this issue will potentially delay the implementation of the new conditions we've spent over six months negotiating. So I sent the email yesterday afternoon, and due to time differences between where I am and where my head office is, I knew I wouldn't have a response until this morning. Morning comes and, sure enough, 
I have a response from the team saying they closed my case as invalid because only external parties can send them emails. For any internal communication, everything has to go through Salesforce. Didn't matter that I sent all the info they needed to act and solve the issue, and, by the way, would have also saved them time by only dealing with one ticket. So what was my malicious compliance? I created one ticket for one hotel, where I basically copy and paste my original email to them, and then attached my original email with all the relevant files. I then took that ticket and cloned it into the other 30 accounts. Same format, same copy and paste of the original email, same attachments. So, because they refused to work on one email to solve a problem, they now have to go through 31 cases and do what they do one by one. And this is just phase one. There's about 60 more to come by next week. It's crazy how this world works. Oh yeah, and Salesforce, freak you. I hope whatever team works on the other side that has to fill out all these tickets one by one, I hope they get like bonuses based on the number of tickets they do, or their metrics are based upon the number of jobs closed or whatever. A brilliant situation where OP gets to feel a little maliciously compliant, and their poor IT team that has to actually do all this stuff gets to reap some benefits from it too, because the head office is weirdly stubborn. Our next story is by Gravco. Returns without receipt are for store credit only. My wife's cousin Mark tried to return goods to a major automotive retailer, but was informed that without a receipt, he could only get store credit. After some tense back and forth, he grumblingly accepted it. He went shopping. Upon ringing out, he immediately got back in line to return his recently purchased items, this time with the receipt. Hey, if it worked out for Mark here, that's great, but I feel like most places refuse to give you back your money in that kind of situation, usually they return money to the original payment method. So if you paid by card and had the receipt, they would send the money back to that card. And likewise, if you paid with store credit, they would probably just give you the store credit back. Our next story is by One Hour Hot Dog. Sure, I can wait. This happened a while ago, but was scrolling the sub for the first time in a while and felt like sharing. I've been working as a delivery driver for a small parts company in the RV industry. Think courier van small parts. I have a lot of stops in a day, 20 to 30, which happens when you live in the RV capital of the world. So one day, I'm headed to one of my favorite plants with a hot order of screws, something they need badly. Let's call it Plant 107. I like it because the receiver there is a super chill guy that takes care of me and makes sure I'm not waiting forever like other places. This particular day, he's been given orders by his boss, who plays the part of the antagonist in this story. So I pull up to the plant and see across the way that he's busy and will be a while, so I do what I normally do and just wait it out. About 15 to 20 minutes go by and he's still working and I'm still sitting. In times past when this happened, I can just hand load everything onto a cart and walk into the office for someone to sign the paperwork and I'll take the product to the correct location. This is when I encounter the witch, I mean boss. The exchange went as follows. I said, how's it going? Was hoping someone could sign for these so I can drop them for you. I know it's a hot order. The boss says, who are you with? I say, insert company name here. The boss dismissively says, why are you in such a hurry? I say, I'm not in a hurry, but I know you need these immediately and the receiver is busy. I've been out there about 15 minutes or so. The boss, more witchy, said, do you need me to go out and buy you a new watch? You've only been here five minutes and I know because I pulled in around you. I say yes, you pulled around me about 10 minutes after I got here. 
The boss, even more witchy, said, Well, I'm the one in charge here, and I told the receiver to work on something else. So you are going to have to wait. Your package is not a top priority for us. So go back to your truck. Me choking back the urge to emotionally wreck this woman said, Sure, I can wait. So I go back out to the truck and pull forward ever so slightly so my side doors even with her window, open it up, and sit there staring at her. Another 20 minutes go by, and my boss calls asking why this place hasn't received their screws yet. Tell him what happened and he says, Stay there, I'll take care of it. Another 10 minutes go by, and suddenly she comes bursting out of the office, screaming for the receiver on the radio, saying he shouldn't have left me waiting so long, and that she's going to write him up for what happened. And then, in a what-the-freak move, she just gets in her car and leaves? I look at the receiver and make sure he knows that I know that's BS and will vouch for him. We make fun of her for a minute and then split ways, in a transaction that should have taken 2-3 to three minutes tops. Several days go by and I find out the owner of the company is my boss's golf buddy and he called him directly. Well, crap rolls downhill and she got in huge trouble. They demoted her, cut her pay, and suspended her for two weeks. I still deliver there often. Every time she sees me, I give her a big smile and a wave and all she does is drop her head. Sure I can wait. Well, all I know is if OP's going to get talked down to like that and treated that way, and they know this is an urgent situation, and they don't have to hurry up, makes it pretty easy to go back out there, sit there, and watch them flounder. And our final story of the day is by Althara D, Flying Compliance. Not my story, but my father's. Once upon a time, back when oil companies threw money around like water, my father was a manager at a refinery, and was being sent off on a training conference with one of his employees. He received his business class ticket and checked in on his engineer, only to discover that the engineer had been given an economy ticket. My father was not overly impressed. It was a 15 or 16 hour flight to America from the Middle East. And in the days before smartphones, that could get very boring and uncomfortable in a cramped economy seat. He called up the department that arranged travel to get his engineer bumped up to business class. No can do, he was told. Only managers get to fly business. Fine by him. My father told them to change his ticket to economy as well then. He couldn't handle the guilt of flying business if his engineer was going economy. For some strange reason, this threw the travel department into a panic. We can't send you an economy. You're a manager. Still, my father insisted, as there was no rule saying managers had to fly business. Calls were made. Strings were pulled. My father's ticket remained unchanged and his engineer was bumped up to business as well. Company policy was later changed so that all full-time employees on long-haul flights were flown business class. My father was always very good with company politics. OP's father clearly is a good person looking out for their fellow worker. I'm just imagining spending 15 or 16 hours on a cramped economy seat and especially for a business trip. Not like going to see family or going on a vacation. They deserve business seats at the very least for that. They're called business seats for a reason, right? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.